Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. This is Rahul Desai here. Uh, I'm here as usual with Uday Bhatia, both of us film critics. Um, we are going to be discussing uh, two films today. Uh, and uh, the first of them is the most recent Hindi film, technically the first Hindi film of 2023, um, which is Asman Bhadwaj uh, is Kutte. Asman Bhadwaj uh, debut film. Uh, he is the son of Vishal Bhadwaj, uh, and uh, it's in theaters as we speak. And um, so we are going to be discussing Kutte, and of course we will be discussing After Sun, uh, which is uh, Charlotte, another debut, uh, which is by Charlotte Wells. Widely regarded as one of the best films of 2022. Uh, we have a lot to say about uh, that film for sure. Uh, but first, we're going to be obviously talking about Kutte. Um, why don't you take Kutte's description? I can take After Sense because it's one line of After Sense. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, so, uh, uh, Kutte basically starts. Um, uh 13 years uh, prior to the main story where a policeman uh, who goes by paji who's played by kumud mishra uh he has a encounter with a naxal uh, outfit uh, and uh, he just about escapes with his life when they uh, let him go and um, uh, 13 years later uh, he's sort of partnered with this uh, thuggish person called Gopal, who's played by Arjun Kapoor. And they have been sent by a kingpin named Bhau, who's played by Nasiruddin Shah, to uh, to eliminate one of his, uh, his competitors. And uh, that uh, goes wrong, very wrong. And uh, to complicate matters further, these two are cops. So they are suspended. And in their efforts to get unsuspended, uh, they uh, they decide to uh, try and come up with a scheme to come up with a lot of money so that they can pay off uh, a senior cop uh, played by Tabu. Uh, and uh, that leads them, or rather it leads Gopal to try and do a ambush on this vehicle that supplies ATMs. Uh, and um, uh, Paji is has kind of fallen out with Gopal by this point. And uh, this is about an hour of running time, I guess, even less than that, actually. This might be like 45 minutes of running time, all this happens. And then after that, one thing after another, after another, after another goes wrong. And um, it's just like that till the, uh, till the end of the film. I like you. You after the forty-five minute mark, you're like everything goes wrong. I mean, if in 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 more ways than one. I mean, it yeah. goes wrong for the characters, of course. But yeah, I guess we'll get to how it goes wrong. I just I I was so uh, I was so amused by the fact that they have a Naxal outfit for absolutely no reason in this film except that they can bring it back at a later stage. There is absolutely no rhyme or reason why that is in the film at all. It's just like it's window dressing, but it's just like they have a lot of guns, so they'll come back and then there'll be this big shootout scene. It's literally there for that. I I mean, I, I I didn't think that it would have a huge sort of... Um, 
uh, importance in this film when it came up in the beginning, but I thought it would have something. And I, I have to say there's like, it was just for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, you could, I mean, you could argue that that's the case with pretty much all the characters in a way, because all of them are like playing types, right? Like they're just sort of serving as, you know, these very distant NRI reading of India, basically allegories for the India we are in today, because, you know, the film starts with a fable, there's a fable midway through the film as well. And, you know, even I wrote, I had to write in my review that it's a problem if you need two different fables to explain your film, right? Like, because we don't know what is... There's a, there's a frog scorpion one which we just heard in Darling. So, you know, that was just done to death. And the, the, the first one with the Naxal outfit you're talking about, Konkana's character, starts with right. a fable about a goat and a, and a dog and a lion. So, I mean, just, it, it's, it's a problem. It's a very film schooly thing to do because you're, there's no real understanding of the environment as such, except for your stylized devices, your shootouts and your black comedy devices. And you find out in the second half, there's the, the multiple parallel narratives gunning for the same truck, which we've seen several times before in several crime capers, you know, over the years. So there's nothing original in that sense. So the least you might expect, given that it comes from the Bhadwaj stable as such, is that some sort of insight into the world, um, Apart from the fact that all of this is happening just outside Bombay. And there's no, as you said, you know, there's no reason for the for, for the Konkana character and her entire outfit to exist. And they, they just, the, all they're doing is marching with weapons in the beginning of the film and the end of the film. Uh, there, there's no real reading of, uh, you know, what's happening with the Nasiruddin Shah character, who just comes for one or two scenes what kind of drug trade is in, if he's peddling, you know, if, uh, what kind of politician he's in. Arjun Kapoor is there to make a statement about the cops. Uh, you know, Kumud Mishra is the sort of good cop to the bad cop. So it's it's just a, everyone's playing a type and a lot of this film feels like it's derived from other films, you know. Very little of it from life or from an understanding of, you know, whatever cultural statement and political statement the film is trying to make. Uh, it just feels like it's come from headlines you know like from from twitter uh, a lot of your understanding of what you're trying to say and it's always tends to happen when you overdo this whole fable like uh, tone of a film it's also a very first film like film uh, hmm. you know it's uh, i groaned when i saw the kill bill like sequence at the start yeah. and hmm. there's a katana and there's no reason for that either uh, simply because you know it's something that's cool, but also it's like it's 2023. Yeah, you uh, Kill Bill. I mean, it's been so many years. It's it's uh, like you'd expect that at least uh, it's actually been 20 years now, and yeah. uh, you'd expect that even the idols that these people have have changed now, but it still seems that everyone wants to do like. Tarantino and Guy Ritchie tributes in their films. It's mm. uh, it's weird how like it kind of stalled there for for like even the edgy Hindi cinema. It's not mm. like they like they have like more recent idols. They still they still try and do those sort of Tarantino ish things in their film. If you notice there that uh, mm. uh, Tabu's character Pammi tells a story about a guy who's getting shot on the loo. That's obviously, you know, taken from Pulp Fiction, the, the scene with mm. Travolta uh, 
there and uh, it's uh, and of course there is you know possibly a parallel between kutte and reservoir dogs and how you know this group of people each of whom are worse than the other and then they're thrown together and what happens and uh, it's just um, it 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 felt like someone who's sort of trying out a bunch of stuff as their first film and of course when it is your first film you will be enthusiastic and you will overreach and stuff but um, it didn't uh, it never really felt like coming together i was never fully satisfied at any point of this film like i, I, I there was always a sense that something wasn't delivering yeah i guess also a lot of this can be attributed to the sort of vishal badwaj hangover itself right being his i mean yeah. sort of growing up in the same household using that kamina track like on loop throughout the film you know a lot of tropes anurag kashyap and raghavan and and and, and bhardwaj tropes throughout the film as yeah. well lot of feuds in a way and i guess because that particular generation that we are talking about the bhardwaj and the kashyaps and all and the raghavans sort of grew up maybe parallel to the tarantinos and the gairiches uh, given that they all sort of Uh, occupied the same sort of era i feel because of that a lot of this generation whether it's gen z or millennials or whoever a new bunch of filmmakers coming up today are still stuck on the same idols because i guess because there was a lot of aping of his own father going on in this film without him probably you know realizing it without there being a real understanding of the world is really trying to put across because the, you you could sense it was shallow right from the beginning the way the way konkana's performance itself took off in the first scene of the film yeah. you yeah. knew that it felt like a college uh, almost a college level play scene you know like where she's sort of clearly playing having to play almost cosplaying a character same with tabu you know she looked uncomfortable it's not often you say that like she really? looked uncomfortable I, I, i said the <laughs> same thing uh, it, it's not often that you see tabu defeated by by yeah. a film by a role yeah and and with the with the kind of lines they are meant to say and tabu you know having to use Uh, having to really use colorful language and 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 talk in a certain way very 20 25 year old understanding of how uh, the previous generation of you know auteurs might have sort of made their films and i guess because he's probably grown up in a family that like sort of ran parallel to that generation i think it's still stuck on that there's no real uh, there, there, there's no um, sort of effort to even locate your own voice as you said it's a very first film syndrome as well it's not the first time we've seen it but it gets a little more amplified when when you come from a very sort of um, you know a, a certain kind of film family and vishal badwaj is a massive name in the last 20 years in hindi cinema is uh, almost like a parallel cinema god himself and and obviously when you come with those kind of expectations with the, with that kind of tag um, you know you're not obviously expected to sort of really imitate that but that's that's the problem with this film i guess because none of it feels original none of it feels right uh, for a, for the longest time there are efforts to like capture that very sort of uh, dark humor sort of thing we see in all these names that we mentioned all their films uh, but again it never felt like there's full control over such a good cast as well you know you have access to this cast and uh, 
as you you know as you said even tabu is uh, at sea with her character and i'd say like tabu and arjun kapoor have pretty much the same effect throughout the film like in terms of craft and and you know you see konkana and radhika madan and kumar bishra it's it's a colossal sort of um, misfire in a way and this is the sort of genre also that we've seen more often over the years uh, this maharashtra noir uh, that you know raghavan is so good at as well and and you know on on the sort of highways and the streets between bombay and pune or towards pune uh, you know a lot of potential there but again so much of it derived from what we've already seen yeah very much so and it's uh, i don't know it's a bit strange also because vishal is co-written the script and even as a screenwriter he's usually so deft and even if it's a slightly you know silly film that he's writing like say matru ki bijli ka mandola the the specificity of the characters in the setting is is so so good and so acute and they mm. have such interesting things to say or at least they say it in such interesting ways that it really doesn't matter even if the story is a bit farcical happened with matru it was also i guess the case a little bit with pataka which was a bit of a farce but again just the way they put things and it's the you know he he has that knack and out here uh, i i didn't really find that sort of memorable writing which i'd have expected from him and um, it's it's obviously not helped that you know with all the favors that he has pulled in uh for for this and obviously he will do that and there's i guess you know if you are uh you are a young director and you can get all these like you can get a cameo from anurag kashyap you can get tabu to star in your first film that why wouldn't you take those advantages but not i don't think he gets much out of them and it also obscures whatever like style that he has like perhaps if he'd worked with the you know radhika madan and and uh, shardul level of uh, star who who turn up in smaller roles in this film uh, that might and if that had been the whole film we might have got an idea of where he stands and what he stands for as a director more than this right now this seems like a very unsuccessful vishal bardaj film because it has his it has a co-writing it has his music it has his frequent collaborators from tabu to nasiruddin shah to gulzar and uh, there's just too much of vishal on this film so i think it just obscures what asman matlab whatever personality he might have brought yeah absolutely and, and even that tone they aim for you know that fast set in say today's india or even technically 2016 but you know whatever uh that sort of farcical tone that vishal is also so famous for over the years the satirical sort of darkness that kashyap does very often uh you know it's fine on paper most of the time it's a nice little sort of you want to take down you want to make a statement uh that's bigger than the film that's you know that that the violence and the 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 nonsense that happens in the film uh, has to amount to something more and in in this case it's obviously 
that damn fable at the beginning of the film if you actually sat through which was really long first of all konkana took forever to sort of narrate it uh, yeah, if you got the start of the fable by the time she reached the end so i i completely missed the meaning of it really yeah exactly so i had to actually ask someone about the <laughs> about the fable because i lost interest midway through the fable i was like all i know is there was a goat and there was a and there was a lion and i just didn't get like i just lost because i was like first of all you're captured you're in prison you're going to be killed by the cops most likely you're wounded as hell uh, how do you have the time to narrate such a very elaborate uh, fable as if you're telling a story to a child at in bed uh and you know we've seen it like it happens a lot these fables are mostly said so that they can be cut as part of the trailer right like that's what happens all the time but uh, but yeah that that if you don't pay attention to what she said in that first fable uh, this film is just nothing but an orgy of like very stylized violence and just one person killing the other and one just training the gun on the other person uh, by the way your tweet was hilarious i don't know if you took more time sort of finding the footage and making a gif and writing the review but it paid off <laughs> i mean it was more fun than writing the review at least yeah it looked like that uh, and you know that's what so so if you're not going to be tuned into what the filmmaker is trying to say first of all what he's trying to say is not exactly the most powerful or the original most original thing there's a demonetization reference at some point towards the end of the film um like a very explicit plot point towards the end of the film which which just feels like a punchline to a joke that's too old you know like it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah it's again that like it it had no impact in the whole at all like people yeah, couldn't no. see where it was going but it didn't seem like anyone really cared because it's just it's that that joke is uh, it's like 3 4 years old now it's i mean yeah yeah and and because also you had arjun kapoor react to that scene that made it worse like it it was very difficult to get that impact yeah i i don't think you should pin your last scene on arjun kapoor reactions it's just it's it's too risky it, it, it's uh, it's not a good idea uh did you uh, did you like anything really in this i uh, <laughs> put it very blunt good <laughs> <laughs> that I like it when it comes to that because after a while you sound like a broken record when you're talking about a film that you don't like at all and yeah that's that's the question we should be asking right at the beginning actually because yes. because uh, I was trying to think about something while writing the review you know okay there has to be something there were just like a few signs of what it could have been like that that scene where they discuss a WhatsApp group um, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah I mean, that was funny it was pretty much i mean it's not like the first time we've seen something like that but you know very a coen brotherish sort of thing to do and yeah. Uh, yeah and that's it like and then there's one or two glimpses when say radhika madan was on screen but again that that track felt like another film altogether a couple eloping also needing the money yeah. and uh, suddenly a romantic track you know like a romantic song music sort of suddenly just ruined, like puncturing the entire you know tone of the film um uh, otherwise it felt yeah again even those scenes like her hand on the car and you know all odes to previous filmmakers previous films so after a while yeah, yeah I, i just got frustrated with how sort of this could have just been sort of a montage video on youtube that cinephiles make to 
pay ode to their favorite filmmakers which is fine which, which i love watching from time to time or this is one of those things you see at the beginning of oscar ceremonies or award ceremonies that are celebrating the year in film or the year in tv or whatever but as a as a feature length drama even the violence annoyed me like it was really unnecessary after a while and like oh, and that uh, that initial shootout the one with uh, the, at the swimming pool oh yeah oh man all oh. all i could see this in the swimming pool was the water that had become blood and i only it was only reminded me of decision to leave that was the one spark in my mind that kept me sane like oh i was like if she was there she would have drained the water of the pool <laughs> i was going into a parallel universe uh, of uh, you know because kutte was just not engaging enough and also some of the most useless bullets i've seen on screen like ever the like any bullet that is hitting anyone in this film does not kill anyone they all come back towards the end they all come like unless you're shot with a machine gun you are alive in this yeah. film any other gun any other bullet any other bomb will not kill you like i get it's part of the design i get it's part of the entire farce farcical tone but it it gets uh, it gets pretty agitating by the end of it like i you know i i find it very difficult to even think of something i liked and given that this cast was there given the performances were there to sort of the characters were there um you you just uh, did you like anything can't say really i i, I guess like the radhika madan and shardul bhardwaj characters were the only ones that i was sort of invested in like i i i'd have like to see you know i, I was like vaguely interested yeah. in when they whether they exit the film alive or not uh mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah but uh, no not really there was a decent chase sequence in the end uh which was shot from above from below from the side uh yeah. in in every way possible but that was still quite entertaining so i like that and uh yeah that that might be about it mm. uh, something struck me when i was finishing writing about this that most of these kind of films have been releasing on ott in the last couple of years this is i think the first one that's actually kind of uh, uh come to theaters uh, like directly the sort of dark comedy thriller uh and um, <laughs> the sad thing is that some of those films were like really well shot and very cinematic and i would have liked those to sort of land up in theaters uh, uh you know before uh, you know instead of this one yeah no absolutely i think we mentioned a couple like rata kelia and all the entire ott era oh, uh, that would have been lovely that would have been beautiful to see Dude, on the big car would have been you know nice yeah car would have been nice and uh, yeah it, it's sort of ironic that this film sort of makes it to the big screen eventually i don't know for what reason because it's anyways going to be streaming on netflix soon from the looks of it uh, and you know everyone can I'm, i'm pretty sure most most people might watch it when it when it sort of hits the uh, hits the platform so yeah i mean otherwise i don't think we have anything more to say about kutte because it is that kind of very hollow film and uh, if if you watched enough films in your lifetime this is not going to impress you and uh, i mean fortunately asman bhadwaj is it's his first film um, i'm guessing he's going to have a fairly long career in filmmaking so so you can only hope that sort of the second the third the fourth films are sort of ev- it's a steep evolution curve and uh, 
uh, it's bound to happen because it's, it's it's difficult to sort of not learn from a mistake as big as this and um, let let's just hope and of course it, as nice as it was to see vishal bhardwaj's name on credit after a long time this wasn't the way i was hoping to see it but uh, but yeah uh, maybe better times ahead we will uh, th- there's no good segue into the next film because the next film is one of the best things um, the next uh, film is one of the best things we've seen in, in a long time and i know we keep saying that about every uh, almost every international film we've been talking about in the last 6 months uh, but it has 2022 was that kind of year you know like uh, I, i think a lot of us became more aware of the quality around us while we were watching either at festivals or at home and and you know after discussing decision to leave the last time i'm very glad that we could finally discuss after sun uday has written about the film as well i i'd really recommend uh, reading his piece which was very nice and a nice little gimmick that he's used which i won't spoil for you uh, but only if you watch the film can you really read uh, any of our pieces actually after sun uh, i'll just a couple of lines before we you know sort of go into the film charlotte wells first film um, as we know one of the most acclaimed films of last year um, it's basically it's it's a very simple thing it's just about a, a young father who's on the eve of his 31st birthday um sort of g- takes a vacation to a very sort of average turkish resort with his 11 year old daughter um and of course the father's divorced from the mother and the girl lives with the mother so this is father daughter time and uh, you can sense that the father was never ready for parenthood uh you can sense that the daughters tend to connect with her father who's actually almost closer to her brother's age and he's actually mistaken for her brother a couple of times in the film um the you know on paper that's it that's about it because um it it sort of is a very different language it's a beautiful little um it's a very challenging film to make and you only realize that after watching the film when you realize what charlotte wells was trying to do uh, almost look at it in hindsight as well as live in the moment it's it's a film that's almost a, a, a ode to a language of memory we find out that it's actually a 31 year old um, daughter who's also looking back on the footage of her time in the resort with her father who was distant and who this was probably her best time with him or maybe her last time with him so it's it's a nice little fragmented sort of film between lang- memories and experiences uh, we'll talk more about that when we talk about the film itself um uday how about the little story where <laughs> we watched with where i watched it in kerala and absolutely disliked the film um yeah i was going to i was going to push you to talk about <laughs> that new you, you talk about that at the start of your review also but uh, it's actually very interesting because i think it kind of gives an uh, it it throws a bit of light on a festival viewing which big is its own sort of surreal thing and uh, also how some films just need to sit with you for some times why why don't you talk about that actually yeah no that's true because uh, you know i i wrote it in my piece as well i started off because i just felt like it'd be weird not to mention it because that was my journey of not only understanding but embracing and loving the film and i and I, if you remember i think we had a conversation after a uh, day after the screening of after sun in kerala when we were i guess sitting for lunch or something uh, i told you that i'd read a couple of reviews from the guardian and from, yeah. from the other yeah. and i was like okay wait i didn't see the film through this lens can that actually change uh, my feelings about the film because i did not like 
it while it was happening while i was watching it and it was my fourth film of the day uh, as you said you know that festival going experience uh, uh, sort of contributes a lot to the way you perceive movies and especially movies like these which are not really meant to be the last film of your day or even if it is your evening watch or your night watch uh, you hope you've not watched more than one film before that because it, it it's and you go in with certain kinds of expectations which i did because by then the hype was really already very big and it had appeared on the sight and sound list as well so um as the best film of the year so so you know all of these factors really contribute to how you um how you watch a film how you understand a film and how you sort of grow into a film and love a film and i'm very glad that i watched it the second time after reading a bit of it, i i wouldn't say that's the best way to sort of fall in love with a film or to admire a film but it is what it is because everyone has their own journey with with you know with films they change their minds about and i think it happens quite a bit to a lot of people especially those like us who watch a lot of films at festivals together like four or five films in a day at a time when we watch it in isolation much later we have mostly very different feelings of, about the film and i've never experienced a u turn like this like in a long time and uh, normally it happens years later so i'm very glad i watched it for the movie release and um, when i watched it the second time is when it all came flashing back to me uh, and how i should have watched the film and how i'm now sort of privileged enough to watch the film uh, through what it's trying to say rather than me trying to find meaning in the film it's uh, so i and you know if 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 you haven't seen the film you're listening to this now you go and see the film you might kind of you might realize why it might be a sort of off putting film or a challenging film for someone seeing it for the first time it takes a while to sort of get where the you know how the film is set up it's uh, it's it's a very intimate it is uh it's very fragmented it has these weird sort of off kilter framings where someone is squeezed into the corner of the screen or there's a reflection talking to another reflection and but it all has an emotional point and um my reading of it of course is that you know this is how memories are sort of there they're not you know you you don't have full scenes in your head you have these little snatches of things mm-hmm. and if you edited those together uh and uh, frankie uh, that's the daughter uh, so the uh, the uh, uh, sophie played by uh, frankie corio uh she she says at one point that uh, you know i'm recording this in my mind camera and mm-hmm. i i think that this aftersun is 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 those images from her mind camera uh and perhaps not even the ones that she saw but the ones that she imagined might happen uh on that trip and uh, those are those have been edited together and which is why it's not you know it's it's not as smooth as as a as a regular film it it has this sort of fragmentary quality because that is how you know memories kind of reside in our mind it's just that these have all been sort of edited together in in her mind now that she's looking back at that time with her father hmm. yeah but you know it's, it's very much no go on go on hmm. yeah no it's a, I, and i was it's you know the the it's 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 such a uh, an unusual sort of um, 
uh, unusually intimate kind of film in the sense that you know it's like one of the early scenes is just uh, her breathing and uh, then it's both of them breathing in the morning and it's just you you spend so much you know you know time just looking at them or they are looking at each other and it's you kind of uh, it's it's sometimes difficult to see the point of what's going on and it's only as the film sort of progresses and you see how this is you know, leading somewhere and which is also a kind of misdirection i feel uh and uh, it, it it gains a sort of momentum but you're not sure towards where so that becomes its own sort of weird thing it's like i it reminded me a bit of the lost daughter uh another yeah. film that we talked about on the pod but even the lost daughter has i think a little more of a, a, you know a kind of explained story whereas this kind of builds up uh or seems to build up towards a revelation that never quite arrives yeah no absolutely like and it's it's really about our relationship with memory and to even make a film that sort of conveys um how the human mind tends to work and how they tend to remember experiences and process certain feelings late in life um uh, you know while looking back at the same time it's a very you know ambitious film to make and to even successfully convey a language like that it's basically you're essentially ch- changing the grammar of film by doing that like because uh, you know film is often what we see on screen and and what is happening and and this is here's a film that's basically telling us that um, sort of some of it happened and some of it is how she is perceiving it years later some of it is how she wanted to see it you know when back when she was in uh, at the resort with her father um i found it very very i found it very moving that someone would actually go through the effort of crafting a film a story like this a, such a personal story like this it could be personal to everyone because it is about how we think of our childhood about how we eliminate certain um things from our childhood because we aren't mature enough to understand them then uh so we don't really uh sort of um you know we we don't really absorb those things back then as 11 year olds or 13 year olds and later 20 years later maybe when you you have become a parent or you are settled in the same way that your parents might have been uh 20 years ago you start to a lot of things start to dawn on you um a lot of fragmented scenes from your childhood start to dawn on you in a very different perspective and to make a film where you can actually almost tell the difference between those scenes that are dawning on you the meanings that are dawning on you and the uh, the scenes that actually happened at the resort uh, the experiences that the father and daughter shared together the tension between them um the the distance between them but the intimacy between them i i, I feel like that's just it's it's phenomenal that viewers are even in a position to understand that and to feel that because i i found myself actually being able to sort of tell that this is sort of 31 year old sophie uh, the breathing sequences for example or the way she uses the camera uh, while recording her father there are a lot of moments where her father is alone either maybe crying after something or maybe he's just smoking out and using he's sort of trying to de-stress in the balcony or he's just walking around a lot of those things sophie may not have actually sort of um, you know really taken forward after that trip she wanted to remember her father certainly and it couldn't 
I couldn't help but feel that this was probably the last time they actually spent time together. Now, of course, it's open to interpretation what happened to him after that, but it is implied that he was troubled. He was going through his own issues. He may have been depressed. He had he was struggling with life a little, and that's why he was never prepared to really raise a family. And none of this is spelled out. And you, there's this very sad feeling throughout the film that this is um, the mind camera that you speak about that Sophie is using is to basically recall what might have been in retrospect uh, her most meaningful experience with her father and after that it never happened and i it, it's also just like i i like how it's a film very much about at least one character's mental health at that point in time but it's not a mental health film it's not a film that underlines any of that instead in this sort of in this very subtle way you see this sort of growing darkness uh in in callum and it's just uh, it's uh, it's quite heartbreaking because it just grows and grows over the film and you can see him sort of try and keep it uh, uh from sophie and uh, it just comes out in uh, in really small ways like there's this point at which she's recording him and and she asks him you know what he thought he was you know going to be when he was 11 and he just it's just it's a painful question to him because he hasn't done much with his life uh, but um, he's uh, you know he's not where he wants to be and uh, he's he's he has a troubled present it and it's it's just these small things you know where he uh, at, at one point he sort of spits at the mirror and it's a it's a such a futile gesture that you feel that it just kind of hurts him more than you know even like helps him mm-hmm. let out any of the frustration that he has and so on and so forth it just goes uh, and it kind of builds up to uh, uh, this really amazing scene at the karaoke uh, after Sophie's performed and he says something ill-advised to her which is a very like sort of dag thing to say that you know do you want singing lessons i can get you singing lessons and she says you know you shouldn't promise to uh get me things that you can't afford and we it just that that scene kind of uh, takes the wind out of him and and out of us because it's uh, it's the kind of thing that a child would say without thinking maybe too much about it uh, and um, but years later that because we don't really know the situation between Sophie and her father in the present day and uh, does she does that line haunt her does she feel like it had repercussions for whatever happened to Callum uh, after, after that trip does she still feel guilty uh, it's it's just um, the 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 backward glances and because they keep it you know so vague as to what's going on in Sophie's present and Callum's present I think that kind of gives it this power of like you have to form your own story Mm. uh, as to what happened to them after that yeah man and you can actually tell that you know she's reached a stage where she's actually prepared she she's actually gathered the courage to look back on that trip in its fullness uh, with clarity if possible with with recalling all the moments that she had probably 
trained herself to forget like that lovely moment you mentioned where she says something so cruel uh, and his face falls and um, and there's so much said there and whether she feels guilt as you said whether whether she's haunted by it and we we all tend to do that and much later sometimes when our parents are still around that we tend to feel like that and the way this plays out here it quite so much conveys that he's not around anymore and she is probably struggling whether you know as an adult whether she feels guilt about it or whether uh, she's actually trying to achieve closure by even thinking about that moment very clearly now and thinking about that moment later in the night also when her father goes to the beach and you know sort of goes naked into the water and uh, something she may or may not have seen as a child if she did she blanked it out of her head and uh, and she was the one who had to get into the hotel room later and sort of cover him and there were as you said snippets of of whatever was up with him um, without really spelling it out and i thought that was really heartbreaking to watch because it it's not often a film tends to make you feel so um makes you think about like the sort of things you may or may not be going through or may or may not be experiencing with your elders your parents your family your partners your friends and uh, the things that we often tell ourselves to keep things to to survive or to preserve ourselves for the years and you you know that sophie's done the same thing and you know that you can almost see that her own narrative is at that resort where she is actually befriended a bunch of older kids teenagers and uh, where, where she's you know probably the youngest there and she's observing them she's in her own little coming of age film which we've seen many times before you know very familiar Uh, sort of kid but also it makes complete sense with her she is more she's mature for her age she's she's yeah. a bit too smart you could imagine her getting bored by by kids her age she mm. is uh, she's a very perceptive kid and you can see that through the film and uh, it's just the the sad thing is that she i i think uh, i i don't know uh, whether calum has this impression by the end of the f- uh, of the film but when she says that you know i really enjoyed this trip and it was the best i think she absolutely means it i don't yeah. know if calum by that point feels like he's sort of he's done enough uh, mm. to her there's this uh, really uh, beautiful scene early on where they go to this carpet shop and mm. calum is is lecturing her about how each uh, carpet has a significance and it tells a story and uh, she's you know she's like any kid in a carpet shop after a while you get bored and uh, he asks the price uh, and then almost immediately he probably regrets it because it's it's like 850 pounds uh, which is money that he obviously doesn't have but because and she doesn't really react when he just he says okay to the owner but then later he goes back and he buys that rug and it's almost a, a gesture towards himself as much as sophie that you know i am the kind of person who could spend like 800 pounds on on a rug uh, it's and uh, even when he's not but it's just like sort of trying to prove something to himself because he is in this you know position in his life a young father but uh, you know no prospects and his his previous ventures haven't quite come off and but he he still wants to be uh, you know he he wants to provide for 
his daughter like in a way that she doesn't feel like you know he you know something's lacking yeah that's that's another lovely scene you mentioned and it, as you said it's very sort of correct reading of that that he's trying to almost convince himself that he is probably capable of you know providing for her even if he isn't and he, even if he hasn't been doing that for all all these years and it, it really is a gesture an act of like sort of um uh, almost self preservation and trying to sort of uh, fool himself into believing something after being a certain kind of person for so long and uh, yeah and sophie uh, in general her being sort of wise beyond her years the way you can almost sense that throughout the film she is um trying to make him feel better about himself because she she can sense his self loathing she can she probably of course later she remembers him weeping after they wished him happy birthday and she all these scenes maybe may have come back to him later and where she wasn't present in the room entirely but but she was very perceptive back then itself and you you could see when when she loses those very expensive sort of scuba goggles uh, on the boat i think um, and she is almost reassuring him that i know it's expensive and i know it's troubling you and right. he's trying to act like it's cool and he's trying to be the kind of person the kind of father that everyone at one point may have expected him to be but he failed being he's he's battling himself and she can see that and for for an 11 year old to be able to see that and perceive that is is both traumatic and also it makes you grow up really fast and that's why she's obviously even socializing with with people who are five or six years or seven years older than her at the resort and she she feels totally at ease doing that and we see whatever snippets we see of her current life is that you know she's she's uh, she has a wife and she they have a baby together and uh, uh, and you know uh, a lot of her uh, a lot of her own even though it isn't ever explicitly mentioned in in the resort uh, a lot of her feelings towards boys uh, and towards girls and towards uh, people her age and older than her are um, very much shaped by that one week at that turkish resort and and you know uh, where she is sort of starring in her own sort of um, coming of age film her own self discovery film but at the same time there are these snippets of her father where the film is actually about him through her which is a very rare thing that the film is about a parent even though it's it's not and it, yeah and given that we are even able to speak about all this so much so many different kinds of readings and all of them correct in their own way all of them feels right in their own way is really a testament to you know charlotte wells very 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 it's just it's it's really it's, it's astounding that she's managed to pull again it's a first film sort of thing as well i don't think uh, someone in making the 10th film might have been able to pull this off it's just the daring the risk the um, the sheer audacity to pull off to to change the language of filmmaking for these one one and a half hours is is incredible and um, maybe a word about the performances because paul mescal is is just is <laughs> i mean he, he was nowhere and then suddenly he's just given like yeah performances one after the other i mentioned lost daughter earlier i forgot he was in lost he daughter even then that as well yeah <laughs> and he's just uh, he's he's fantastic in this and uh, and so is uh, the uh, actor playing uh, sophie that's uh, frankie corio uh, mm-hmm. wonderful performance and uh, 
both of them seem so natural as father and daughter in this and and that of course they they had to be that and it's just it's especially for um, paul mescal it's, it's such a difficult performance because he's he's not a deadbeat dad he's a very uh, you know very solicitous very sort of caring father uh, very much attuned to his daughter and uh, you know yet there is this sort of darkness in him and uh, his circumstances are not ideal and uh, he kind of he he has to maintain this sort of um, uh, uh, this cheeriness which little by little cracks over the over the course of the film and he does it so subtly that you may not even realize it when you know he you know things suddenly start getting a little darker and you're like hey mm. wait is this like what's up with this guy like uh, did something happen and that did something happen is sort of teased through the film and it's never really sort of um, as i said earlier or actually someone else in someone else's reading they may have a you know they may feel that they've figured out what happened or like uh, at least to some extent but uh, to me it was left very ambiguous which is i think the way it should be yeah exactly because that that pretty much shapes that last uh, scene in the film which is one of the best last scenes in a while right like uh, is him sort of uh, her saying goodbye to him at the airport uh, him recording her doing that and then him turning back in the airport corridor and really just um, walking into that strobe lit dance area which we've been seeing throughout the film as snippets as her trying struggling to sort of uh, make peace with that one week uh, as an adult as a child and it just the, yeah just paul mescal his 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 sort of ability to conceal all that darkness behind that cheeriness was so tragic to see and it was so moving even though it just felt like he was everyone's dad and everyone's um young dad who was struggling to sort of uh, give himself the life that he may have thought he once deserved and it's it's very difficult to watch because there's seemingly nothing wrong with his character but there is you know so much is the reason behind them sort of meeting the way they are meeting and um, her having the best time with him because they live apart and him almost protecting her from his his darkness his hostility that he may have um, maybe subjected his family to earlier and uh, and as you said you know that ambiguity is the point of the film because that ambiguity allows us to basically look at the film through our lens and it says more about us than the film itself and i think every viewer deep inside wants to learn more about themselves when they watch a film and this film does that especially in that last scene and especially how you interpret it how you read the father daughter relationship how you read what happened to the paul mescal character um none of it is relevant of course what actually i hope the director never spells it out but because it'll keep allowing people to really explore parts of themselves even while they i mean every sort of every experience we have these days is also part of a memory in the future and and that's and so much of so much of what we go through right now will or may or may not make uh, make this this mind reel that we make in the future and um, i think this constant 
desperation to learn more about ourselves by looking back by by not exactly looking back through a lens of nostalgia but through melancholy um and and you know that itself uh, I, i mean memory itself is such a device of grief because you're basically trying to sort of your more or less mourning what was what once was and that's that's a very powerful thing um i guess for a film to say and uh, and i'm very glad that, that the ambiguity has stayed with all of us and it's allowing us to also really explore parts of ourselves that uh, that yeah that not many films encourage you to yeah i'm i'm very happy with the ambiguity which is sort of like an antidote to today's film culture which is very answers obsessed you know the ending explained kind of uh pieces that you get immediately when a film comes out like try and explain this ending i've i've uh, i i was uh, if, uh i was curious so i read a couple of those and all of them had like wildly different interpretations and uh, it's and but it misses the point of watching this film if you're looking at it to try and solve it the whole point is you know that these are you know this is someone looking back through memory and and may not be entirely reliable and it may not you know it may not be something that can be explained it, has, it just has to be sort of uh, uh understood in, in terms of uh, uh, someone r- rummaging through their their memories hmm and exactly and and that's i guess that that's the whole um, I, i mean that was that's why the film has been in conversation in discourse for so long and that's why it's sort of award season and uh, it's been um, and you know we I, i mean i'm i'm glad it's out there it's it's streaming on movie for anyone to watch it and it's it's um, it really is the kind of film that you know you can take away whatever you want from and you can't figure it out because the characters themselves in the film are figuring it out as we said and and um very few films allow you to do that so um so yeah that that's i guess is there anything else you'd like to add about uh, after sun no 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 I will, except that maybe uh, since we went on about uh, scene transitions and decision to leave uh, so much there is uh, one of them which uh, involves these sort of parasails in the sky uh turning to leaves in the in in the water out here in after sun which is just to die for like it is so smooth yeah no no <laughs> those yeah the transition i mean given that we've managed to uh, at least i managed to watch it on a big screen first before watching it on a smaller screen is quite the reverse of my feelings for most films and how i sort of nurture them but uh, <laughs> yeah, the transitions um the cinematography was amazing. i mean i got very irritated with the the sort of camera just swaying into a room and concentrating on the most inane things in in a scene and now you get why um when you understand and that's so important right perspective is so important how just a click can just change your reading your lens your prism through which you can hear a story being told is amazing and i i am very glad i could experience that so sort of like uh, almost a decade into my film criticism career and it, it's nice that uh, it's nice that you can go through these conflicting emotions and then make peace um, with a film after watching it the second time or the third time or even disliking it if you have to after the second or third time which has happened a bunch of times just that we don't talk about it enough because 
there's really not much to discuss then but this is one of those illuminating experiences which we hope uh, you know a lot of people can go through so so yeah that's that's pretty much it af- uh, about after sun uh, do keep an eye out for it it's award season uh, do watch it on mubi um, kutte as we mentioned earlier is um, is a theatrical release it'll be in theaters for a couple of weeks at least uh, it will drop on netflix because i did see the uh logo there and um yeah so if you're interested um do watch that film in theaters as well um yeah that that's pretty much it for um i think this week's podcast we had uh initially very briefly d- uh, decided to discuss the pale blue eye which is also streaming on netflix uh scott cooper's film starring christian bale uh and um and harry melling as edgar Allan poe and very interesting film um you know i don't think we have enough time to discuss it fully but uh, do watch that film if you because it's it's sort of a divisive film and also just for harry melling who you last saw in um, in queen's um, gambit in gambit who was who was wonderful in that uh, series as well uh, and he really as as you put it that he really Uh, sort of does a very christian bale thing in this film that stars christian bale um and and it i found that i mean as as you said again the film almost worked but i'd be it'd be nice if we could later maybe down the line discuss it a little more at length once we've sort of figured out uh, you know what the other films are this year so but yeah it, it's it's one of our, it's one of my records definitely i mean i wasn't totally sold by the film but i'd be very curious to know what others think about the pale blue eye and about it's almost like a fan fiction film because there is edgar allan poe but it didn't actually happen uh, and it is also one of my favorite directors because scott cooper did make the hostiles a couple of years ago which i still believe was robbed it was it was ignored by every award season ever and it was one of the best films i'd seen back in 2017 i remember watching it at the nfdc screening theater uday i don't know if you were there but uh, i remember reviewing yeah. it and scott and i was absolutely blown away again it starred christian bale and in a character very similar to this where he is playing a detective anyway that's that's pretty much it about um, uh, about these films uh, this week uh, we'll hopefully be back soon um, going to be covering a couple of film festivals over the next 10 or 12 days uh, but we will hopefully be back after that and we will talk about what we managed to see at the film festival uh, more details about that uh, maybe um, towards the end of the month um, yeah so the, do write into us if you have any suggestions as usual and thank you for listening um, stay safe